I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Good morning, church, and I'm certainly thrilled and honored to be invited by pastor to address you on this Sunday morning. And uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I'd like to invite you to go with me to the book of Titus, and we will start in Titus chapter 3 in just a moment. And I just want to take a moment to tell you that um, I hope you uh, are surviving this unusual time. Uh, None of us expected this, so much time at home. I did see a meme the other day that said, my goal for 2020 was to lose 10 pounds. And then at the bottom it said, praise God, I only have 15 to go. And I suppose that a lot of you are experiencing that. And yet I hope you're taking full advantage of this opportunity. It's unusual, but it is a time to slow down and a time to grow and a time to listen to God and to accomplish things perhaps we couldn't accomplish in any other way. I don't want to jump right into God's Word with you today. And if you're in Titus chapter 3, pay a special uh, and and close attention to the first verse and the theme in chapter 3. It's a theme that actually shows up quite uh, frequently in the book of Titus, and it's a theme concerning good works. And notice right here, right away in chapter 3, the Word of God says that we are to be reminded to put them in, in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey rulers or magistrates, and to be ready for every good work. Now think on that just a moment because Paul is writing here in a very important book of the Bible. We know that this is part of the pastoral epistles, which includes both First and Second Timothy. Uh, as you probably know, Timothy and Titus both were spiritual sons to the apostle Paul. Uh, both were mentored by him as well and served as teammates with him. His relationship, as an aside here, his relationship to them is really another message about the powerful, it's a powerful lesson about mentorship. If you were to study the books of Timothy, you'd find that in Timothy's case, that Paul loved him and included him and taught him and encouraged him, spent time with him, prayed for him, defended him. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible very simply says it like this, Paul's talking to Timothy and he said, you have fully known my doctrine or my teaching and my manner of life. He lists several other things as well. He said, Timothy, you've known my faith, my purpose, uh, my love, my patience, my my trials and and challenges. Uh, It's a reminder that for every one of us, and we'll learn this in this passage this morning, mentorship is is a vital part of Christianity and a part of good works. And Paul has really, really illustrated that for us here in his impact in Timothy's life as well as in Titus' life. But uh, let's get back to our message because notice in this first verse of Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 that he says we're to be ready to every good work. So church, I want to talk to you this morning about the art of good works. Uh, One of my, uh, I, I guess, most special memories in 1995 as a young evangelist, I was invited to the country of Belarus in the former Soviet Union. Communism had fallen, if we could say it that way, several years prior. And on a Sunday morning service, I was in a little town called Jordana, 
It was a town that had uh, great blessings for me personally in the sense that I had done a, a special campaign in a theater downtown, and we had seen uh, more than a few people saved. And on that particular Sunday morning, we were meeting in a high-rise apartment building. And the idea of this was we're going to preach the gospel that morning from the uh, people who trusted in Christ at the crusade a few days earlier and those who were going to trust Christ at that apartment building. We were going to plant a Baptist church in the town of Jordanah, and we did, and that church is actually still going. And yet that morning, I remember preaching in this apartment building. It was a living room that was absolutely wall-to-wall, front-to-back, side-to-side, people everywhere. And I stood with my back against the wall, and I preached that morning about works. And, and my subject at that point of that morning was uh, to differentiate between uh, we are not saved by works, but God saves us in order to do the work of the gospel and to live a Christian life that is made up by good works. And my favorite memory of that trip was in that particular morning when I gave a public invitation, there was an older lady at the very front, and she, she actually clapped her hands in, in the invitation and she stood up and began talking very excitedly in Russian. Of course, I had no idea what she was saying. My, my interpreter, my translator that morning, uh, who was uh, you know, in, interpreting the message from English to Russian, he leaned over and, and he said, uh, she just wanted to tell you that all of her life, she has tried to get to heaven by her good works. And today, she says, is the first time in my life that I understand Jesus did it all. And that sweet lady trusted Christ Jesus that morning to be her Savior. And, and what she illustrated that morning is something that we have to face all the time. We know that we're not saved by our works. We're not good enough to go to heaven on our own. But Titus is very clear that good works are an essential part of the Christian life. In fact, if you have your Bible, I want to just, uh, if you'll take your Bible for a moment or, or your Bible app, walk with me through these three short chapters and let me show you what I mean. Uh, about eight times in the book of Titus, you're going to find Titus, Paul is writing to Titus about the value and the importance of good works. In the first chapter, if, if I were to give it a theme, here's how I outlined the three chapters. In chapter one, Paul reminds Titus that talking the talk and walking the walk are two different things. Uh, you see the first reference to good works at the end of this first chapter in verse 16, where Paul says to them, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. What he's trying to say in verse 16 is simply this, Christianity, a Christianity that makes no difference is worthless. And I think you probably know that. Don't all of us know somebody who claims, you know, I'm a Christian, and yet they talk that talk and don't walk the walk and their family laughs about it. Their co-workers chuckle about it. Um, it's, it's a sad thing when a person says, I'm a Christian, and then doesn't live it, because Paul says here at the end of chapter 1 that unto every good work they're reprobate. It's a reminder that talking the talk and walking the walk are two different things. In chapter 2, Paul addresses the truth that behavior is essential to our belief. And he jumps right in in chapter 2, verse 1. If you have your Bible there, look at it. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, what's he meaning there? He's telling Titus, instruct the church that because of what you believe, it's to affect your behavior. And then he 
gets kind of personal about it. In the second verse, he says, teach the older men, the aged men, to be sober and grave and temperate and sound in faith and charity and in patience. In other words, he's saying to them, make sure that what you, uh, that how you behave and how you believe, they're connected to each other. Make sure of that. In the third verse, he says to the older women, he says that they likewise be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers and not given to much wine, but teachers of good things. And then he reminds uh, ladies, all of you that are watching, that one of the great ministries of women in the church is to impact younger ladies. My, my sweetheart, when she speaks to ladies, says to them, every person has somebody in their life that is younger than they are. So don't get, don't get caught up here in a moment in this passage and thinking about, well, am I old enough or am I young? Do I fit, do I fit the older or do I fit the younger? Because every one of you that are watching, there's somebody younger than you that you could impact with your Christianity. So he says to the older ladies, <coughs> he says to them very simply, make sure that you're teaching the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. I confess when I read that years ago as a new Christian, oh, that's the weirdest thing in the world. Why would you have to teach a generation to love their husbands or to love their children? We would assume that's a given. Would it not be reasonable to think that a lady, of course a lady's going to love her children, and yet we live in a generation to where things like that are no longer considered normal. Uh, many moms don't want their children. Uh, marriages are falling apart, and Christianity, by our works and by our teaching, is to make a difference in that. He says in the fifth verse that, ladies, you're to teach younger ladies to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home, to be good and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That's a very tricky statement, and if you're not careful, you can misunderstand that in the issues in our culture and the way we view things in our culture. But, but keep your focus on the point. And the point he's making here is that our Christianity is to evidence what we believe. The way we live our Christianity is to evidence what we believe. So, so remember that behavior is essential to our belief. He, he addresses the young men in the sixth verse when he says that young men likewise were to exhort to be sober-minded. And uh, basically, here's, here's, here's what he's trying to tell us. In chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1 and verse 16, Christianity that makes no difference is worthless. In verses 1 through 6 of chapter 2, a Christianity that is separating belief from behavior destroys itself. If you look in verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5, he, he mentions at the end of that chapter that the word of God be not blasphemed or dishonored or destroyed or, or damaged. If, if you and I claim to be believers and our behavior is not in line with our belief, then we are doing great damage to Christianity. There is an art to good works. It's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here. In the seventh verse, he tells uh, Titus, rather, he tells Titus to show himself a pattern of good works. Uh, you young men that are listening, this is a young man named Titus. He's probably older than what we would refer to as young men. But the fact of the matter is, this young man, Titus, is called by God to, to set a pattern of good works. And it's a good place just to stop and examine you young men that are part of the point. Uh, church, think, think for a moment. Are you a pattern of genuine Christianity? Is that a valid question this morning? He goes on here then to show us in, in the third statement about good works, 
that Christianity is to be presented by an example of good works. That's in chapter 2 and verse 7. In chapter 2 and verse 12, he mentions good works again, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we are to live soberly and righteously and godly. We're to live godly lives in this present world. In my notes, I would say it like this, Christianity is to be presented by a definite godliness. There are wrong ways to live as Christians, and there are right ways to live. In the 14th verse, we find the next statement about good works when he says that Jesus gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. Christianity is to be presented by a definite godliness. That's what we saw in the 12th verse. In the 14th verse, Christianity is to evidence a zeal for good works. Now, church, here's a, here's a, a great place to stop and, and do a little meditation. If, if good works are that important, that good works can do damage to the cause of failure to do good works, can damage the cause of Christianity and even the Bible, if I am to live differently than the culture around me, if the fact of the matter is I'm even to be zealous in my pursuit of honoring God by my works, is this, is this not a valid place to stop and examine my life? As a member of this church, you, you obviously named the name of Christ. And, and Paul's writing to Titus here is reminding us, are you living by good works? Is your life characterized in such a way that in your home there's evidence you know, they're the real deal. They're the, he's the real, dad's the real deal. Mom's the real deal. You know, my, my brother is a real genuine Christian. My, my, my sister, my daughter, uh, my grandfather's the real deal. That's what Paul is reminding Tim, uh, Titus rather of in this passage. Now, go to chapter 3. In chapter 1, I, I showed you that, that Paul tells Titus that talking the talk and walking the walk are two different things. In chapter 2, He's reminding Titus that behavior is essential to our belief. In the third chapter, he's reminding us that we're to be ready and we're to be serving. Go back to our text in chapter 3 and verse 1, and he says here very simply that Christianity is about being ready for every good work. And he describes that good work in verse 2. We're to speak evil of no man. We're not to be brawlers. We're not to be contentious, hard to get along with. We're to be gentle. We're to show meekness or humility unto all men. Notice that one of the evidences of our good works is connected to how we treat others, how we respond to others, and how we talk to others. Now, here's, here's a valid place to do some very practical examination. In the book of James, James says that pure religion, real genuine religion, that is clean before God, undefiled before God. Uh, he, he says a very interesting thing. He says it's to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. That's a simple verse. I'm to care about others. The verse preceding that, he talks about what it looks like in an even more practical level. He says very simply, if any man among you seem to be religious. Now stop for a moment. If you're in your living room listening to me preach this, look around a little bit. It's a Sunday morning. We can't be together because of this situation we're facing in our country. But stop where you are right now. Just stop and look around. 
and, and think about how religious we seem. It's Sunday morning, and you can't be at church with your church family, but many of you are sitting at a kitchen table or a, a living room couch or living room sofa. You're surrounded by a family, many of you that are there with you, because, because you're religious. And here's what James says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, bridles not his tongue, doesn't control his tongue. Think, think about that just a moment. In light of Titus chapter 3 and verse 2, what does it mean to be ready to every good work? It means to speak evil of no man. It means I'm not a fighter. I'm not contentious, a brawler. It means I'm gentle. It means I show humility to all men. Uh, he's addressing a lot of issues there about our tongues. One of the most practical ways to examine where you are as a Christian is examine your your tongue. Do you, uh, do you speak gently? This is an unusual time because you're home with your, some of you parents are home with your children. And uh, this is a new time. Normally you send them on a school bus or you drop them at a school and now you get to be there to do their work with them. Who would have thought that our entire country would turn into homeschoolers overnight? And yet that's where you are, isn't it? Uh, how, how is your Christianity showing up? Are you gentle? You husbands, are you gentle towards your wife? You wives, towards your husband? I remember some years ago right here in Pensacola, uh, landing, and, and I'd flown in, I don't remember, maybe from Nashville, and we landed, and, and when we hit the runway and taxied and finally were able to stand, there was an older lady in the seat in front of me with her husband, and she was very frail, moved very slowly. She was on a walker. And, and he jumped up, and I remember he said something to her like, come on, let's go, let's, let's just get off now. And, and uh, she was trying, and she couldn't do it, and he was a little harsh. He, he, uh, he basically threw up his hands in despair, and he said, well, I'm getting off, and you get off when you can. And I, I, we were all kind of, I mean, I, I suppose, other, I, I was a little offended for her. In fact, I, I felt like saying, give me your cane, and I'll, I'll hit him for you. But I, I obviously couldn't do that, and, and, and yet I, I will never forget her response to her husband. He was in the wrong, but she turned around and smiled at all of us behind her, and uh, she said, uh, that's my husband, and she said it with an, in, an endearing tone. There was no anger at his, his uh, can I say stupidity, um, at his rudeness. She loved him, and it showed up in her tone. Her response to his foolishness evidenced good works. How about you? Paul tells Titus here that uh, Christianity is about being ready for every good work. And then he has a little bit of an aside here, if, if I could say it that way, because it's, it's almost like Paul stops here and realizes, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been telling Titus that good works are vital. You got to live good works. You got to do good works. You got to promote good works. And, and all of a sudden he stops and he just takes a, just a breather to say here, now, be careful, because we're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. And what a good place to stop and talk to you just for a moment about the gospel. In, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, he says, um, After the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And church, I want to remind you that with all the emphasis of Titus in chapters 1, 2, and 3 on good works, Paul does want to stop and remind you that none of us go to heaven by our good works. In fact, he lays out for us that that, uh, justification is not attained by good works. Justification is attained by faith in the works of another, what Jesus Christ did for us. And in the fourth verse, he reminds us that it's by the kindness and love of God. And, and if you're listening this morning, if you're watching this morning, and, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to draw your attention to the fact that there's a God in heaven. He's very kind, and He's very loving, and He cares about you. He says in the fifth verse that it's not by works of righteousness. I've gone to church all my life, but I'm not going to heaven because I go to church. I give money to my church, but I'm not going to heaven because I give money to my church. I teach the Bible just like I'm doing right now, but I'm not going to heaven because I teach the Bible. Because God's Word is very clear. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. He says in the next portion of chapter 5, I'm sorry, of verse 5, it is by His mercy and by His Word and by His Spirit, and it's through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the final verse in that section, he says, it's by His grace. And my dear friend, grace is everything God has done for you in order that you might come to know Jesus Christ as your God and your Savior. For some of you, it was God's grace that you were born into a Christian family. And for some of you, it was God's grace that you started working with a Christian friend who led you to Jesus Christ. For some of you, it was a friend that invited you to church. That was God's grace. And certainly it was God's grace that 2,000 years ago, His Son Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead that through Him we can have eternal life. And if you're at home and you're a boy or a girl and you've not yet trusted Jesus Christ to be your God and Savior, I-, I want you to know that good works won't save you, but Jesus Christ died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And listen to me very carefully. Boys and girls, Jesus Christ died for you so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life through him. And dad or mom or, or, or my single friend, uh, uh, whoever you are, this is a reminder. He's talking about good works. There's an art to good works. But they don't get you to heaven. They evidence that we are believers. They show the world that we know Christ. And so he says here that Christianity is about being ready for every good work. That's in verse 1. In verse 8, Christianity is about carefully maintaining good works. He says in verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Apparently, you can be saved for many years and then fail because good works have to be maintained. Maybe you're retired, and here's your thinking as a Christian. Well, you know what? I've done my time. I served in the nursery when I was younger. I, I, I helped the church to grow when I was younger. I, I've done my time, and I'm retired. Maybe the message for you this morning is you've got to be careful to maintain good works. Uh, apparently, we can live our lives and go through the motions and our busy and broken lives that we live today and, and fail to have good works in our life. So Paul says to Titus here, you got to encourage them to maintain good works. And then he says one more thing in in the text, and that's in verse 14. He says, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses 
that they be not unfruitful. And the last truth I found about good works here is that Christianity is about being useful through our good works. Now, there's no doubt about it that one of the themes of Titus is that God expects me and you as the church to have lives that are full of good works. So let's make it practical. Do you talk Christianity or do you walk it? Is your life an example of genuine Christianity? In other words, are you the real deal? Is your life an example of Christian godliness? That your Christianity has made your life in your home, in your marriage, the way you respond to things, the habits of your life, the hobbies of your life, is your Christianity, is your Christianity evidencing that you're the real deal? Are you zealous for good works? Are you always ready to do good works? Are you careful to maintain good works? Are you useful as a believer? Let me tell you two stories, one biblical and one personal. Some months ago, I was reading in the book of Acts, and I came across, in fact, I'm going to turn there and, and just read it to you, at least a portion of it. If you have a Bible and you want to look, the book of Acts in the ninth chapter introduces us to a really strange story. I, I really, it, it almost seems out of place. It's so unusual, and uh, I, I'm finding it. So if you want to find it, you have time. In Acts chapter 9 and the 36th verse, we're introduced to a lady named Tabitha. The Bible says at Joppa, there's a certain disciple named Tabitha. And then the Bible says, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Now, I, I have met more than a few ladies named Dorcas, and yet I'm always a, a little, I always find that just a little bit odd to say because of the play on words in our culture, in our day, uh, there in that word. So I'm going to call her Tabitha. The Bible here makes it clear that that she was named Tabitha, but they called her Dorcas, which is actually the Greek word that means gazelle. And if you know anything about a gazelle, you would know that a gazelle is very active. It, it's always on the move. It's a very fast animal. And, and apparently Tabitha was a very on-the-go young lady. She was very, very moving, very going, always running, always doing, always on the go. And, and here's what happens. The Bible says she was full of good works, and, and, and good deeds, which she did. And it came to pass that she was sick and she died. And, and here's what's interesting about it. She dies, this woman that's full of good works and good deeds, she dies, and so the disciples send for Peter and says to Peter, you got to get over here because um, Dorcas has died. Tabitha has died. So Peter arose, the 39th verse says, and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and the widow stood there weeping. And listen to this very carefully, church. Listen now. And showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So verse 40 says the strangest thing. Peter put them all forth, kneeled down, and prayed, and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter... She sat up, and he gave her his hand, lifted her up. He called the saints and the widows and presented her alive. Now, now, now watch this for just a moment. It's the most unusual thing in the world. Here's a lady that is known for her good works. Uh, she's uh, applauded for her good works. She's honored for her good works, and she dies. And the church calls Peter 
And they said to Peter, we need her. She is so active. She does so much for the cause of Christ. She is so full of good works. We cannot survive without her. We've got to have her. And Peter apparently agreed and raised her from the dead. Now tell me, that's an odd story, isn't it? But it made me stop and just think. And I want to ask you, church, a question. Are you so important to the cause of Christ by your words? Are you so vital to Christianity by your words that if you were to pass away, there would be a a hole in the work of the church, a lack in the work of the church? What What a testimony she had. I remind you this morning, and I'm almost finished. God's called me and you to good works. Uh, The second story I'd tell you is a personal one. Uh, My dad, you would have no way of knowing my father, but my dad's a country boy. He's uneducated. Uh, He he dropped out of high school because of the family he grew up in. And in order to work and help with uh, making a living, they had a large family, no electricity, no running water. Uh, It was a rough life and, and a tough life. My dad's very shy. He would never do what I'm doing. He would never sing a song or play an instrument. But several years ago, I met a missionary kid. The missionary kid's now a grown man. He's married. Um, He's got a ministry, full-time ministry. And when he and I connected briefly at a service, and, and, and I realized who he was, and he realized who I was, he said, to me, something to this effect. He said, your father is one of our family's favorite people. And I thought that was kind of odd. And I said, now, why would a missionary kid, why would a missionary family say that my country, quiet, reserved, uneducated father is one of their favorite people? And so I said, well, why do you say that? And he told a story to a group of us that were standing there that Some years ago, when he was just a boy, his family came home from a mission field for a summer or for a year, I suppose it was, and someone had allowed them to stay in an old farmhouse that was cold, and they had lost some of their support, I I guess it was, and times were just really hard. And he told a story about how they they struggled to have food to eat and to buy clothing and to, to heat that farmhouse. And then he said this, and he said, we survived because of your dad. He said, Mr. Young brought us firewood, food, and I was dumbfounded. Church, I stood, I stood in that, that lobby of that church hearing this missionary kid that's now a grown man tell this story about my dad. I never knew that. I never knew that my dad took them firewood. I never knew that my dad fed a missionary family because they were barely surviving. I never knew that. I had no idea. It made me stop and think. My dad, who's never preached a sermon, my dad, who's never taught a Sunday school class, my dad, who's never sung a song, my dad, who's never written a blog article and never will, was appreciated and loved and respected by a missionary family because of his good works. And church, I'm just going to stop. Here we are in the midst of this pandemic. This is an unusual time. Some of you are unemployed right now, and some of you are working from home, and your kids are home from school. 
What Titus has written to me and you is important. Our works matter. How are you doing with the art of good works? Is your life useful? Just examine for a moment. I'm, I'm finishing. How are you doing at home? You're, you're at home right now. Is, is your life full of good works? You, you, you boys and girls, your brothers, your sisters, are you a real genuine Christian to them? Do you serve them? Is this a time to fuss and, and, and argue and raise our voices? Or are you the real deal Christian? You serve your siblings. You serve your mom, your dad. How about it, mom, dad? Can your children see Christ in your good works right now? Is this a fair question? You that are employees, you're a Christian employee. Can your boss see Christ in you? You employers, can your employees see Christ in you? The way you do a job, the way you respond to people, the way you talk, the way you deal with uh, matters of honesty and, and, and above, being above board. Paul is writing to us that it is important that we serve, that we serve in the church, that we serve our family, that we serve in our neighborhood, that we evidence a good work ethic, that just like my dad could touch a family, and nobody would have ever known it if I hadn't heard the story in the lobby of an auditorium in a, in a, a church miles away. I would have never known. But it, are you that useful to the cause of Christ? What are you doing with this time while you're battling this pandemic? Are you investing for Christ? Are you serving? I would never have known that about Dad. But my country dad was full of good works. God's called you to be. There's one last thing I want to talk to you about this morning. In this passage a moment ago, we touched briefly on the passage about the fact that we're not going to heaven because of these good works. No, the only way we can go to heaven because of our sin, because of our being separated from God, we need the works of Jesus Christ who died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And you listen to me very carefully. He's the only way you can have eternal life. If you'll turn to Him, if you'll trust in Him, if you'll believe on Him, if you'll humble yourself and admit that you're a sinner, that you don't deserve to go to heaven, that you can't get yourself to heaven, and if you'll turn to the Savior Jesus who died for you and was buried and was raised from the dead, He's the one who forgives. He's the one who gives eternal life. It's not our works that gets us to heaven. It's the works of our Savior Jesus Christ, and He's available for you. And I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. I want to invite you to Listen to God's voice this morning. Could you talk to God this morning about your home? This week, you could bring good works to your home. Maybe a neighbor that needs encouragement, needs somebody to pray for them, love them, serve them, reach out to them. God's called us to good works. Why don't you take a moment right there in your living room or your kitchen or your wherever you're listening to us? Why don't you take a moment and bow your head right now and, and just ask God to forgive you that in your busyness or your brokenness or your selfishness, that you failed in good works. Why don't you right now just talk to God and ask Him to help you to live differently because of your Christianity. Dear friend, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you give the church a call and get help? The church number is 850-492-1545. You'll see it there on your screen. Or you can email the church, hello at to the point dot church. 
reach out to us. Let us help you to know Jesus Christ as your God and Savior. Dear Father, thank you for the Point Church and for the church family. Thank you for Pastor and the staff and for all the effort that goes into the way we're having to do things right now. How thankful we are that you love us, that you're not caught by surprise with any of these things that are going on. Father, we love you so much. You're so good to us, that all is well in our lives and that in our failures and our struggles and our brokennesses and our burdens, you really care. Dear Father, those who are listening right now who are struggling financially, dear God, strengthen them, help them, direct them, and meet their needs. Those who are struggling physically, strengthen them, encourage them, touch them, and heal them. God, have your way, I pray, in our church family. Meet every need. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.